look, look at it this way, you know. Uh, a man, a man takes a job, you know. And that job, I mean, like that, you know, that becomes what he is. You know, like, uh, you know, you do a thing and that's what you want. I mean, like, I've been a... I've been a cabbie for 17 years, you know, 10 years at night. I still don't own my own cab. You know why? Because I don't want to. I must be what I what I want. You know, to be on the night shift, driving somebody else's cab. You understand? Uh, I mean, you, you you become you get a job, you you become the job. I mean, like one guy lives in Brooklyn, one guy lives in Sutton Place. You get a lawyer, another guy's a doctor. Another guy dies, another guy gets well, and, you know, people are born. I, I envy you, you. Go on, get laid. Get drunk, you know, you do anything. Because you got no choice anyway. I mean, we're all fucked. More or less, you know? Yeah, I don't know, that's about the dumbest thing I ever heard. Not Birch and Russell, but what do you want? I'm a caddy, you know? What do I know? I mean, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What is going on? Gabe, I don't know. Rosetta Stone, much? Is that what's going on? No, that's that's the bulk of my Spanish. Is uno? I feel like to combat all these edits that have been taking you out of the show, apparently, with this whole first half hour, should just be you, constantly you. You lead the conversation, you son of a gun. No. Who, Gabe? Yeah. Oh, there he goes. He turned down his mouse again. This is like a. This is not even a comedy bit anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's certain. It's it's the bit where it goes down, and then he's gonna keep doing it, and then we'll start laughing. Yeah, no, I'll figure it out one of these days. Why Why don't you just don't do it? I, I use my second monitor for for references in case I got questions for the guest or something. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I feel like we did cut you off, or, or, or Scott did when you were in the last episode. Scott thought you were talking about a question that you asked. I guess. And we can cut this part out, but what? But then you seem to to want to damn it elaborate that that wasn't what you were talking about. No, I think it was mostly for the percentage of time that we speak. My time has been cut the most. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. The ratio, yeah. not not that I not that I'm aware. Of. <laughs> I feel like you get cut the least. I feel like you say the least. Like you don't. You, you, That's right. But, 
but all of your stuff remains. It's because it's that, gold. That's what I meant about the thirty percent stuff. Is like, God damn it! Oh, something fell. Maybe I shouldn't be doing two podcasts in one day. I mean, the, the fucking thing that I was sending you, one of the things I didn't think about was that it was going to take forever to go, and, and I just closed a window, and it left. And then as soon as I did that, I spilled water all over the wedding invitation, so I am fucking not in a good place right now. Oops. Maybe that is a good place to be. For, for, uh, for what? I'm going, for, to, I'm going to be murdered. For a dramatic. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it a what? Is it a what is what? When you say the wedding invitation, is it like the prototype that is the wedding invitations, Ben? Oh, the old, what don't old. you understand about how wedding invitations work? <laughs> oh, you're the saying act- I didn't I didn't hear the plural part. So you're saying the actual wedding invitations have been printed and you just poured something. He, he spilled water on them. So and they're not they're not cheap to print or to buy. Yeah, you and I both know that from our years in our printing and copy shop. Uh, Excuse me? <laughs> Gabe and I were talking about the cost of printing and all that stuff. Um, so how do we start this? <laughs> I know Ben thinks we did start it, but we did not. And I, I knocked all over all my water. I had to refill it. Mm. Well, it was only water then. That's all right. It's yeah, but now I got to send that fucking file, and now I got to send this fucking oh. file, and I'm going to be up until 5 o'clock. I've been up nonstop today. It's... Can't do it anymore. All right, where are my fucking notes for James Van Osdell, our fucking guest today? Mm. Mm. Okay, so what were you guys talking about? Well, what, we're, we were talking about um, getting ourselves on a podcast network and getting more listeners and a sponsor and all that stuff. How does that work? We said we we're going to ask the professional, Mr. Van Osdell, to see if he can give us some tips about how to get the word out about yeah, the podcast. Yeah, we, we, we can pump him for, uh, like, under the guise of interviewing him, we'll actually pump him for tips and, uh, and just since stuff his, you, But since his bright idea is putting podcasts on vinyl, I'm not sure if he's the right person. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what he says about that. So, yeah. All right. So anyway, so, Gabe, now do you believe us when we tell you you haven't been cut out of anything? Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we already covered this. Like, it was a question that the guest did not want to talk about. And it was one of the things that she said before the show that she didn't want to talk about. And then you brought it up. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's, let's, let's see, rewind. You're not, rewind. You're not letting him tell what his yeah, problem yeah, is. And I feel like he's got a problem part. with I'm me. I'm sorry, and Ben. I be- I'm just in, in a shitload of problems right here <laughs> with a bunch of soggy <laughs> fucking wedding invitations. Yeah, we're trying I'm to sorry if you. I'm not letting Gabe tell his goddamn <laughs> side of the story of things. I'm in the shithouse right. over here. Wow. He's cut off. Now he's we cut frozen. him off? <laughs> Go on, Gabe. First of all, the question that I asked was... It's question... okay. It's still recorded. Yeah. That's no, good. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, no, no. This is going to make it. Do you remember me asking you what I can ask her? Because I had no idea who she was. You said, oh, she's... That's what I said to you. Yes. And then and then what happened was 
I forgot to tell you that and I meant to tell you and I forgot. So yes, it's, it's all on me, but I, I, I'm telling you why you were cut out. It's completely my fault. I should have told you that, okay. but it was funny. Cause then you brought up and I was like, Oh, and I thought she was going to go, uh, rights and everything. I mean, we probably shouldn't even be talking about it right now, but right. you know, the, the, the uh, thing was that you, that was the only thing I had to mention because you told me to mention it. I mentioned it. You never even told me. Yeah, he's not going to let it Why did she cut it out? But it's not I don't deal. think I told you to mention it. I said, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What's it's, the matter, Ben? Is, is, is it just killing you? This morass? Of <laughs> no, no. Well, I just want to say two things. I can't, I didn't even remember that that's what happened with I didn't remember that, but I also thought that we wound up leaving at least some of the in the show. There might have been a tad, but I thought at least Gabe's question left got left in the show. No, well, not enough for Gabe. Apparently, Gabe needed a lot more. But I also feel like Gabe hasn't admitted that he's actually listened to the show. So is it that are they the little what do they call them in Pulp Fiction? You little scamps are worse than a sewing circle. Do you have people who like contact you and say, "Hey, Gabe, I didn't hear you much in that episode," and then you say, "Well, you must have heard my whole." Yeah, Gabe, what's going on there? I just remember there was one question I had through the whole broadcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. After the whole thing was done, the email yeah. came out. We're taking out your question. Oh, okay. Okay. Whether I listened to it or not is irrelevant. <laughs> but you started that. By the way, I left the room, and then you're like, it's okay. I mean, you know, yes, we're going to cut this out because Ben's not there. You made it sound like I'm the mastermind behind cutting shit out of the episode. <laughs> And I don't want to get on your bad side because people love you and I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to do like a world wrestling thing where we're having some fucking feud. It was just comedy. That's all that that was. Wasn't it? Or our version of comedy? Yes. Speaking of comedy. Oh, here oh, we go. Okay, good. Didn't, you, didn't you use that segue last week? I don't know. But that <laughs> last episode with your dad was pretty funny. I got to admit. That, I didn't laugh so hard in a long time. He, he's a very funny guy. And the two of you had a he's, good... It was good. He's not that funny. I think he is. No, he's not. Uh, I, I haven't talked to him and asked him what he thought of the episode. Should I call him and see what he th- thought? Like, uh, Do we know that he listened to the episode? Uh, my sister said he listened to the episode, and really? I hadn't had the time to give him a call. Um, sure, give him a call. So let's see what happens. Where is his goddamn number? Um, let's see what happens here. But yeah, you thought that was funny, huh? Well, for me, it was, it wasn't so funny. It was like, that wasn't easy. That was a tough one. Yeah, but I think, I think the listeners, it it came through to the listeners and they, they, they agreed that it was, it was great. Well, yippee for the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) There are some questions from the listeners about that episode. Oh, really? There's always questions. Let's see if he answers. Hello. Hey, Dad. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm down just uh, working on the Christmas balls down here. You're already working on Christmas balls, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm going to get ahead this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just sitting here with Ben and Gabe, and we were wondering what you thought of, uh, if you had a chance to listen to the, the podcast that you did with us. 
No, no, no. I'm just asking you the question right now. Did you get a chance to listen to the podcast that you did with us last week? Oh, yeah, yeah. Don had it. Yeah. So we're just wondering what you thought. Oh, I thought it was all right. I'll get something going. Yeah, what do you think you're going to get going? <laughs> what? Huh? What was going to get... What's, what, what? Get going? You got to get... get stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Money, money, money. <laughs> yeah, necessary evil. That's right. Uh, I, I hear it's the root of all evil. Yeah, yeah, but I've seen I've seen the root of all evil and didn't have money. The crimes they pulled because they were broke and desperate. But <laughs> so those two ways. Uh, all right. Well, you, you, we just wanted to check in on you, see how you're doing, uh, and you're you're hard at work on Christmas balls. Yeah, I got. Uh, I got a whole bunch of uh, cardinals. I just doing them, them city. Now I got a bunch of them. Now I'm going to start in some other stuff. All right. All right. We're going to get back to the show. Uh, ben and Gabe, say hi. Hello there. Yeah. Tell them I said hi. Okay. Talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Bye. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah, he was real impressed, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a good episode. I like them well, all, though, so what do I know? What were the uh, questions? There were some questions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And were there some I'm questions? I'm so sorry. There were. Uh, and I I'm starting to relax, guys. Thank, thank you for d- bearing with me. That was... Oh, yeah. Listen, uh, well, weddings, I mean, we, I, weddings are stressful. Bit, we, well, it's not that. We had, we had a busy day today. We announced a bunch of new dates. We're going out uh, doing some more shows with Soul Asylum, and we're doing some shows with... Our first guest, Juliana Hatfield, which we're very excited about. Um, but, but so yeah, that's been that's been my day trying to get all that together. Um, all right, Jeremy Noren wants to know. He says, "I must know if these jokes were listed on a notepad before the show, or if it was a full-on top of the head affair." Now I don't know if we want people to know how the sausage was made, but I'll tell them how the sausage was made. <laughs> uh it was, you know, it was a full-on, off-the-top-of-our-head affair. I mean, and even if it weren't, wouldn't it, you prefer that that's what right. you think? Yeah. You know. Next. Um, uh, Cindy Yip, who writes a lot. She's sort of taken over from uh, oh, right. Michelle. She's a big fan of Gabe's and not such a fan of ours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who, who is this person? Who is this genius? Yeah. Yeah. She said, yeah, she said, she says, I love you, Gabe. You're a super great guy. Kind of balances out those other two dudes. Right. Is that for yeah. real? That rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. It rubs Cindy, me the wrong way. what did we ever do to you? I don't Laugh. know. She just, she doesn't like the way we're constantly ganging up on Gabe. Although she joins in with us and she says, you did say that, though. And I think that's when Gabe said, uh, well, I don't know why somebody sent me a power strip. And I reminded you that you said you didn't have that's a right. power strip. That's was, right. Was she the one that sent the power strip? She might be. I wouldn't put it past her. That's Cindy. <clears throat> she's, a real, she's a real sneak in that way. She's on a power trip, this power <laughs> strip. <laughs> uh, 
And then Cindy said to Scott, that was her question. That's not her question. Is no, it? it's not a question. These are more comments than questions. Okay. Let's, let's only do questions. You're right. Who cares what their comments are? How dare you comment on this podcast? Uh, going back to episode number 16 with Troy, uh, any local H and this is Jeremy. Jeremy always has the, the real questions. Jeremy wants to know any local H albums that had a shake this shit off mentality. And I think that was when you said to Troy that that uh, era vulgaris. Era vulgaris. Yeah. Shaking, shaking off the loose fans or whatever. I hey, think shut that up, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think that maybe. Uh, Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, I'm a bum was was that kind of record. It's definitely a shake that shit off record. Uh, there was talk about using somebody who's definitely more of a commercial um, producer for that f- from uh, people around us. And then we decided to go with sort of a alternative metal, underground metal type of indie metal type of producer, Sanford Parker. And once we did that and once we turned in the songs, they were like, oh, yeah, I guess this isn't going to be. You know, the kind of record that we're going to try to, that we're going to try to like say, hey, Local H is back. It's like, all right, this one's just for the fans. And I was like, okay, that's, I didn't like hearing that, but, but I understand, you know, that record could have been an A record and it was definitely a B record. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that record is still pretty difficult for me to listen to. Um, it's, it's a weird, noisy record, but, uh. One of these days, I'll get into it. <laughs> it's got some of my favorite Local H songs on it, but I guess every album does. It's not bad. Cold Manor, right? Cold Manor's on it? Yeah. I mean, the record definitely does what it wants to do, but if there's one record in our catalog that I would say is a Shake the Shit Off record, it would be that. Um, but there was a little bit of that with PJ Souls as well. Because we were kind of like, we don't want to make these records that sound like this anymore because that is over and and we don't make radio hits. You know, it's kind of like, so let's make a handmade record. So there might have been some of that in there. And now I, I, we just don't even think about it. I haven't. I don't know. I am not thinking about it. Just thinking about those damp invitations. <laughs> Uh, somebody dug up uh, some video of Gabe playing drums on Smothered in Hugs uh, in 1997. Mm-hmm. So, Gabe, you did play Smothered in Hugs with the, with the gentleman's before. Uh, but I think it was like... Boom. Was it, I think, it was like at a record store or something, and Joe maybe is playing um, bass? Yeah, that's yeah, so that's, it is. It is kind of acoustic. It's not really. That's an acoustic. On. That was that was the Tower Records in Chicago. It looked like I'm looking at it right now. Right. And so I was playing no, with brushes. I wasn't playing with sticks. There's ah. no electric show that you've ever played drums on. I mean, you have. You played, but not on Frampton, and Hugs. Frampton, but not Smothered Nugs. Right. Remember when you played Frampton at uh, at uh, the Avalon? I was going to say the Avalon. Really? You were right. I, I'm pretty sure I played up a. a Time from Pink Floyd at least once at a, oh, at a that's show. That's right. Right, 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 right. I right, want to right. say it was in Providence, Rhode Island. At Lupo's. Oh. Not that I know exactly where it was, but I do. That might have <laughs> that might have happened. That sounds like something that happened. Yeah, it was packed and it was hot and Joe needed a break and you and you're like, Gabe, get up here and let's let's jam and here, here it went. Mm-hmm. 
It's a good one. Now this is this is a comment. I don't understand it, and we can cut it out. But maybe you can. I don't even. Know, I don't even know what she's referring to. Cindy says, "Enemy's frontman, I guess, is no Ginger Elvis, or as Scott likes to refer to him, Roadie." She's saying that uh, Troy is no Josh. I think Josh has oh. referred to himself as the Ginger Elvis. Oh, okay, gotcha. and then she's referring to how I thought Josh was a roadie the first time I saw him play for Screaming Trees. I didn't know what Josh looked like, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" Because um, we—I I never got the chance to see Caius. Mm. I got to see Caius before yeah, I knew he's... before I knew who they were. Oh, right. Who were they opening up for? They were Metallica? opening for Danzig, and White mm-hmm. Zombie was also on the bill. And I, I was impressed, but I wasn't totally impressed. I thought they were some kind of Black Sabbath ripoff band, but now I know they're they're not, and they're one of my favorite bands. So then we started listening to them constantly. Yeah, nonstop. Uh, 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 yeah, there was a year that the Pixies opened for every band I went to see in New York, and I didn't know know who they were. I don't think they had an album out yet. Maybe they had an album out, but I didn't know. I saw the Pixies a bunch without knowing them or caring about them. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, I went to see the Hoodoo Gurus one time and Red Cross, who I didn't know from a hole in the wall, were opening for them and I became a lifelong fan based on that one, <laughs> one show. Oh, the Hoodoo Gurus make it back to the show. <laughs> oh, have Our they been on J- before? J- yeah, yeah. You talked about Hoodoo Gurus before. I did? Uh, what an idiot I am. Our friend Jerry... Newbro is a big Hoodoo Gurus fan. I'm not he, a big Hoodoo Gurus fan. He, he but loved I, the Hoodoo Gurus. That's a band that has like one or two good songs every album. Like they have like their, they write their single and then they put the rest of the album out. Hmm. Right, James Van Osdall? That's right. I love the Hoodoo Gurus. Oh, okay. There what, you go. What's my scene? Bittersweet. I'm right there with you guys. Yeah, oh, Bittersweet. That's hey. an amazing song. Out That Door. So out oh, That yeah. Door. Fuck yeah. One of Australia's most underrated bands. Uh, this is going to be a great playlist. <laughs> hey, everybody. Look, it's James Van Osdell. Here I am. Hi. We must be on Con Con Carney. I, no, this is great. I, I, I had nothing to prepare for this. Good. Oh, that's you, me. You know that, that's you me know this, on these shows, too. I love it. <laughs> you, you know this isn't live, too, right? I, I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> but it's funny. I, 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 listen, I listen to the podcast, and... You guys will say something or screw up, and Scott will say, we'll clean it up later. We'll get rid of that. It never happens. It we all never makes do. It, yeah. I love no, it. We only cut Gabe out. Of the <laughs> <laughs> right. We were talking to, we had Herb on today because we were doing an episode of Deliverance. Not an episode. We were doing Deliverance for an episode of 70 movies we saw in the 70s, and he brought that up. He, he was like, you know, I was listening to it, and you kept talking about how you were cutting it out, and I'm thinking, well, I wish you would. Why didn't you? <laughs> I love it. I, I think, I mean, what, what is this, episode 19? Ooh, I think, uh, 18? I think it's 18? Yeah, we're 18. This By the 18? way, we, we do cut that stuff out. The only thing we don't cut out is us saying we're going to cut it out. That stays in. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff we're going to cut, we cut. No, I, I, I enjoy the show. I mean, I think you guys, you're in a groove. I mean, I like the dynamic. I mean, sometimes I do feel sorry for Gabe, but I, I like, <laughs> I, I think in a very short amount of time, you found you found your rhythm. Yeah, episode one, we found it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <we're> really <laughs> well, you're a broadcasting lifer, and the real reason that we want you here is because we want to pump you for information on how to uh, make a good podcast. 
So <laughs> first of all, how do you do it? Do a good podcast? That, yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, and, and Gabe, you're writing this down, right? Yes, and we're recording it. Well, you're, you're okay. doing it. You're doing it. I mean, consistency is everything. You guys are doing this weekly. You're putting out the show at a pace where your fans can keep up with you and they can expect new episodes. You have chemistry. I mean, it's hard when you have a group of people to have that chemistry, but everyone has a very clearly defined role. And I think right. that's important for a show like this. Gabe is kind of the... Let's hear it. He, he, he turns. He, he's kind of a punching bag at times on the show, but he, he, he takes it all you know, good-naturedly. Uh, I love, I mean, I, as interesting as the guests are, and my God, I hope I'm interesting. I hope I can live up to two hours of Andy Gerber. Um, the guests are really interesting, but I mean, I love how you guys just tangentially jump into really obscure arcane movie facts and, and music stories. I mean, that that's what makes the podcast. So if you want to know how to be successful as a podcaster or with the show just keep being yourself and just you know going along on things that interest you because everyone else will go along for the ride okay question number two <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> well thank you Th- thank you thank you but i mean th- the thing about you is you do and you do an episode every night right I've slowed down the pace. So when COVID hit, I realized, because my car is called Car Con Carne, my podcast is Car Con Carne, I did it weekly in my car. Right. And I realized when COVID hit, if I didn't find a different way to do it, I would lose whatever momentum I had for six plus years, and it would be done. So I, I, when COVID hit, I decided to start doing it every night from home. I figured out, I, I consider myself an early-ish adopter to Zoom. I was on Zoom like mid-March trying to figure out how to do these podcasts, and for 13, 14 months, I did do it every night from home. But now that the world is loosening up, uh, it was funny you said it in one or two episodes ago, Scott. I wish there was more of a grace period between COVID and now. Like, it just, there, it's just, that was then, now it's the way everything was before. It's really fucking weird. Um, All right. But now that everything's opening back up, I'm slowing down the pace. I'm doing about two a week. And, and some of them are back in your car. You're kind yeah. of, you're back in the car. It's a hybrid model. The mm-hmm. podcast that is some in the car, some <laughs> over digital like this. Can you hear that? Is that Can you guys Karen? Hear that? The squeaky. Yeah, I, I have to take the squeaky toy away from Karen. Oh. She's now. This is going to be tough because Karen likes to play. Yeah, uh, keep away. She doesn't like to play fetch. She likes to play catch me, motherfucker. So <laughs> if she sees me walking over there, this is going to be tough. You're going to hear some stuff, and I hope it's not too embarrassing. Hold on. Just don't spill anything. <laughs> But you and Gabe have, well, we, Gabe was like, get me whatever you want. We got him a, I don't even know what brand it is, but it's a pretty good sort of handheld sort of stage mic kind of thing. And that seems to be the kind of mic you're using, James. Is that because in an untreated room that gives you the least amount of background noise? Oh, Ben, I'm not an audiophile at all. This is a Sennheiser microphone. I got it because I like my Sennheiser headphones. I figure, well, if I like the headphones, the microphone's got to be good too. Okay. That's about as far as I go with that. All right. All right, let's compare what uh, James has behind him with what Gabe has behind him. <laughs> I see the Maiden. Oh, he's that's, got the Maiden. That's the Best of the Beast box set. It's a it's a UK import, and it's really hard to find. It's probably worth about 700 to 800 bucks. It's right behind your head. It's not hard to find at all. <laughs> well, 
if you know where I lived, you could steal it, but no. Uh, I, I just got the, the three LP, the live set from their last tour. The tour that was divided into three parts. There was like the war part, the religion part, and the Satan part of the show. Oh, great. Like thematically, they divided <laughs> the, the show up. It was like a hit set, and there were three thematic parts to the set. Right. It was awesome. And there's a, a three disc live collection of that, which I just got a couple months ago. Okay, so it's War, like Troopers, Aces High, then it's Satan, Number of the Beast. Hang on. Uh, How come really? neither one of you Iron Maiden heads know this album? Yeah, or this we story? saw the show. We went to the show, oh, you, me, you and Herb, and, and I think this one was recorded in Mexico, I want to say. This one that James has. Oh, you do know it. Okay. Yeah, you, you just know, look you know dumbfounded. Okay. <laughs> oh, Legacy of the Beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, and I didn't know when I was at the show that it was grouped thematically or the songs were, and then I it hit either. me. I'm like, there were set changes. I'm like, wait a minute. They're going from the Klansmen into whatever. But yeah, so the the Satan songs are Fear of the Dark, Number of the Beast, The Evil That Men Do, okay. uh-huh. Hallowed Be Thy Name, and then uh-huh. um, For the Greater Good of God, Sign of the Cross, religion songs, and then of course... Aces High, Two Minutes to Midnight. This is an awesome, it was an awesome show. I saw it out in Tinley, but it, awesome collection, too. Yeah. So that w- that's what was behind you? Yeah. Okay. Wow. You're both doing Maiden. Hell yeah. Oh, I was looking at, the, do you have a gold record back there, too? Uh, I do. That is, I've got a couple behind me. I've got Blur, the self-titled album, and Chevelle. Great record. What's next? You got a, a gold Blur record? I do. That's cool. I was obsessed with Blur during that uh, period when they were, had that self-titled record out. I, I love Park Life. That's yeah. my album. That, that's it. That that album, start to finish, it is so stereotypically British. Mm-hmm. And just Damon Albarn's lyrics and sense of everything is, is wonderful. That's probably what kind of turned me off about it. I thought it was a little too, I don't know, fey? Is that the word? And then like I remember hearing Song 2 and going... Who the fuck is this? Uh-huh. And and then it turned out to be them. I was like, oh, I'm sold. I, I'm completely wrong about this band. Oh, they're and, great, and, and great, great live band too. Oh, then yeah. it turned we out you weren't so completely wrong about that band, but you were partially wrong. How? How band. so? Well, sometimes they're Faye and sometimes they're song number two. Right, right. They they, they could be Faye, but you know, Faye is if Faye is what you aim for, then you know, who am I to say? That Faye is not I the feel way. much more importantly about James is he's got he's in the club because he's got a dog in the room with him. Oh yeah, and he's I got, got a, Shazam. And then a picture of your dog too behind you on the other side of you, or is that, that just a, <laughs> no? That, that is dog? a that is a picture of my dog in an astronaut suit. That was a Christmas gift I gave to my daughter, <laughs> and it, it perplexed her, and she didn't really want it. She grudgingly kept it in her room for a couple months. And then she walked into my home office where I am right now a few months after Christmas saying, do you want this in your room? (laughs) But yeah, Shazam sits in a chair behind me as I do my podcasting. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's a good podcast dog. Just very quiet, almost like still life. Mm -hmm. I like it. So speaking of vinyl, were we talking about vinyl? We, sure, we with the main vinyl at some point, right? And People when we've been whipping out, out their vinyl. Wait, I'm going to go grab a vinyl while you talk about vinyl. Yeah. Wait, okay, well, now, hey, I'm sorry, Scott. Ben just said something that makes me crazy. I'm going to go <laughs> grab. I'm going to go grab a vinyl. They're records. Yeah. yeah. Hey, when did this become okay to say I'm going to go play a vinyl or I'm going to buy a vinyl? 
Well, Gabe hates it when people say vinyls. My vinyls, vinyls is even worse. There's no plural yeah. for vinyl. It's just vinyl. It it's, it's not vinyl store day. It's record and plus, store day. And plus, who gives a fuck what kind of vinyl Ben has? I mean, it's... It, it, it's, it's oh, here he is. Hey, Ben, what you got there? <laughs> Look what I got just because we're in a Chicago state of mind. I have the first ministry album. Is that right? Is that what With this sympathy. is? With sympathy. Is that not the first ministry album? No. No. Oh, but but, but that, that's the one with Work for Love. That's the big Arista Records. This is the one ministry. that they played out on the East Coast on WLIR. I used to hear every song on this fucking album. I loved it. Effigy. Well, revenge. if you had been in Chicago, you'd realize yeah. what a, you know, a fey record that ministry record oh, is. Oh, I know it is. That is fey. The, the more fey, the better for me. I wanted to tell her, Work for Love. I, every song on this is a hit. And look, I still have like all the original value line LP. I love I that. It's still in the shrink wrap. You still yeah, have all the, the, the hype. They're called hype yeah. stickers. You haven't even opened it. You haven't and listened it, to it. Oh, I, oh, it's open. Come on now. Uh, but it was five ninety nine. Now this whole this album would probably be forty bucks if you could find it, right? New discogs. Yeah, yeah. Ben's like when when you're zooming with 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 uh, a, a, kid, <laughs> a family and the kid goes, "Look what yeah. I got," and then like comes over and brings it. So, all right. You're so zooming that, with your elderly relative who doesn't. Right. He's like completely out so of the loop Ben's with the rest of the conversation. Us, now, now that Ben's got us back on the vinyl, yeah. uh, thank you, Ben. Sure. Tell us about your new crackpot idea, James. It, it's uh, like uh, podcasts on vinyl. Yes. So I wanted to have a reason to put out a record for a really long time. And I, I've fallen back in love with collecting records over the past several years. I mean, I collected vinyl for so long, and then I got rid of my record collection at one point. I This was probably 1998, 1999. I thought, well, no one's making records anymore. Mm. And as you guys know, when you move with records from place to place enough times, you start to lose the uh, the love affair with right. owning vinyl. <laughs> you, you lose friends. You, you fall out of love with records. And I thought, well, I've got all these CDs. That's the, that's the platform of the future. I don't need all these records. So I donated them to charity. And in time, over the past 15 years, I've started to reamass a record collection. I've really thrown myself back into it, and I love it. And it's funny, the only time I think I really listen to digital music is if I'm in my car or if I'm preparing for an interview. Right. Otherwise, I'm listening to analog on my stereo, and it just fucking sounds better. Uh, but the point is... You found really... room on your power strip to plug in your turntable? <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I found a flat surface, which I know can be an issue. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Things, things that I don't have. <laughs> so I, I've fallen back in love with vinyl. I really love it. And obviously, I love podcasting. I've been doing Carcon Carne for over seven years. I've done podcasts before that. I also do a podcast for WKQX. And I thought, has anyone actually put podcasts on vinyl? And I'm sure it's happened, but I'm not aware of it. Because podcasting is such a digital thing, it, it almost seems retro or a weird step backward but the more i thought about it i thought well i remember growing up getting comedy albums i remember listening to the richard Pryor records getting the monty python records getting the sam kinnison record which you probably couldn't play in public at all anymore or or animal stories like the larry yes, stuff exactly right? like all those radio comps even like yeah brandmeyer i guess um but i thought wouldn't it be cool to put a bunch of podcasts on a record like having something to hold do a limited pressing and then i thought well where do I even start? Then I thought, there are so many great podcasts around Chicago, and none of these people make money to get to do their podcast. It's hard to get critical mass as a podcaster. I thought, what if we did a compilation of podcasting, maybe four and a half minute cuts 
from a bunch of Chicago podcasts and pressed it onto a one-time only vinyl edition. And that's what led to this Kickstarter project, which is called Phonation, a Chicago podcast compilation. Right. Phonation. Wow. What, what is that all about? Uh, phonation, the definition is the utterance of speech sounds. Uh, okay. like, like phonics. Right, right. All right. I got it. Mm-hmm. I got it. So... You've heard that it's a pain in the ass to put vinyl out these days, so you just wanted to try it. I want. To, I don't want to try it. I want to do it. I want. I. I want yeah. to have this. I, I want people to have this. I want people to hear this. And another thing, a topic I keep coming back to, and I may have hit this topic with you in the past, Scott. But I, I think curation is something that gets lost in a world of algorithmically driven activity online. I think mm-hmm. it's hard to know where to find stuff you like. We live in a world where. Everything is available everywhere. Everything ever created can be found. But sometimes it's really hard to just identify a couple things that you'd be into without really digging. And this, to me, is a way to curate a bunch of cool things from Made in Chicago. And specifically, these podcasts have nothing in common. I wanted to put a bunch of podcasts on the comp that aren't kindred spirits, that aren't from the same category. So, for instance, two of the podcasts I announced... Uh, one is an atheist podcast. It's called The Friendly Atheist, which is okay. this incredibly, extraordinarily well-done podcast about atheism. Yeah. On the other side, I have a podcast that will be part of this called Think 180, which is uh, the results of this uh, tattoo shop out in Oswego called Ink 180. The guy who runs it does tattoo cover-ups for victims of human trafficking and for gang members looking to get out of the lifestyle. And wow. he has Right. And he, he has a podcast about that stuff, which is fascinating. So, I mean, I have all I, my vision was to have all these disparate mm-hmm. categories represented and put it all together to kind of represent the, the breadth of what we have going on here in Chicago and the suburbs. Well, that's great. I, I heard you talking about a podcast about uh, some people that own a comic book store and it's basically like a it's a podcast, not so much about comic books, right. but how to run a business. Right, because, let's face it, listening to a comic book podcast talking about, can Thanos beat Galactus? No one wants to hear that. Murder. But, <laughs> murder. <laughs> murder. But uh, these guys, Patrick and Dell, who own Challengers Comics in Bucktown in Chicago, mm-hmm. for the past maybe five or six years, they've done a podcast about running their business, their mom and pop store, and it's this very warts and all transparent n- no sacred cows sort of thing where they talk about how hard finances are and making ends meet and the sacrifices they had to make they talked about um they opened up a brand new store in 2020 in river north that got ransacked during all the the unrest and they had to shut it down and it almost put the entire company out of business and they talk about this stuff and it's it is so real and raw and honest and they're very articulate guys i love listening to it that's great. Let me ask you, what is a guy who ends up being a radio DJ as a kid? What are you into? Are you just in the same shit as a dumbass like me who wants to be in a band? I mean, what I is a so. formative influence for you? I, I think so. I, I think we probably had parallel likes growing up. I mean, when I got into radio, I started at Q101 in Chicago in 1993. I was surprised that a lot of the disc jockeys on the air didn't really care that much about music yeah they liked Mm. music but they weren't into it right they got into radio because they wanted to be on the radio they wanted to be right because you mentioned animal stories they wanted to be larry lujak they wanted to be whatever that current version is of kevin matthew steve doll etc i wanted to get into radio because i love music i grew up 
I, I it was hanging out at Record City in Skokie every weekend with my friends, blowing my allowance on records just based on the covers or based on what I could afford in the cutout bins. I, I was that kid who grew up just buying records, listening to music, trading records, making tapes for my buddies, trading tapes. That was that was my childhood. Right. So curating for your yeah. friends. 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. But that, that's why I got into radio, because I wanted to play music for people. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about like DJs who were not into music, I mean, I remember walking into an interview there, like one of my first interviews and they were talking about tickets to a football game. And I was like, Oh my God. You know, I mean, I got into music cause I wanted to be surrounded by people who liked music. And I thought that everybody who was in music was into music and that illusion was shattered right then and there at that well, station you worked for. Now, to be fair, I don't, I don't think you really liked doing interviews for like the first 10 years. Who, me? Well, yeah. <laughs> it, that wasn't the problem. The problem was most of the interviews that they, you, made me do were uh, in the morning. And I did not get into this business to wake up before noon. Fair. Totally fair. So, but you went to, you, you grew up in Chicago. I Are did. you from Rogers Park? I grew up in in Chicago, in, in Rogers Park, Edgewater, um, born at Edgewater Hospital, which here's the tie-in. Another mm-hmm. podcast, part of Phonation, is If the Walls Could Talk, which is a true crime podcast in Chicago about the absolute corruption around Edgewater Hospital, which no longer exists. Wow. It's this fascinating story. I mean, if you drive by it, I think it's on Ashland, um, it's in utter disrepair. It's, there are some pictures floating online of what it looks like now. It's, it's, it looks really spooky. Um, but that's one of, the, one of the podcasts we want to include in Phonation. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in Rogers Parks. Uh, then my parents moved me, my family, to Skokie when I was 10 years old and went to high school in Skokie, grew up there. Mm-hmm. Then you know, once I was old enough, I moved into the city. So you grew up on Chicago radio? Oh, absolutely. I grew up on you know XRT, The Loop, MET, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, and James, then, can, mm-hmm. can I just, can, can we go back for a second to this idea of wanting to share and curate, like curate and share? I always think of it, and I have this same urge, like to share and to um, have people uh, listen to the stuff and watch the stuff that I like. Like, I'm like, hey, you really need to hear this. And do you find that getting a career doing that has like scratched that itch? Or do you still find like in your personal life um, that you're like constantly trying to like get people to watch and listen to the things or read the things that you want to read? Constantly. And, and are frustrated by there's no way to ever in personal life not be having interest in it. Yeah. There, there's no way to ever scratch that itch. And you guys do it too, whether it's a film festival or... I, Scott has probably turned me on to more movies than anything else I've read online. I mean, his little capsule. I mean, I think I, I watched Hereditary because of Scott. Because of, because of his one pair. I, I think you said something like, I'm still shaking, I need a drink. It was of, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went right to the... We were that, on a that's bus. Every and night, the bus started drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's the value of curation, and I'm the same way. Like, I want to share stuff. I want to talk. I want to talk about the stuff I'm into with the people who I know. I want them to be turned onto the same shit. Right, right. Like even bad reviews are because you like something else. Like because mm-hmm. you're like, don't listen to that. Listen to this. Exactly. Right. I just I think we we live in a, a day and age where it's really hard to find stuff that. You, you like it's just it, it's that 
I hate the cliche because it's such a business thing, but it's it, drinking from a fire hose. It's just, <laughs> it's really hard to just get a handle on what, what's good and what's worth your attention. So you went to Columbia. I did. Well, actually, yes, I did. I went to the University of Kansas for my first two years of college. Okay. Um, I'm sure you've toured Lawrence before, Lawrence, Kansas. Yes. Yeah. Great town. A lot of fun. I had a lot yep. of fun there. After two years at Lawrence, they invited me not to come back. Uh -huh. So <laughs> came back home, tail between legs, and I finished at Columbia. So, so you, oh, you, you, you were going to shows at the Bottleneck. Oh, the Bottleneck, we were there all the time. Remember I'm sure. that game? Oh, yeah. We played, I mean, we were touring and playing that place from 94, 95 to, to like 2000, like nonstop. That was an automatic stop in the Midwest. Yes. So, James, you're, you're going to school for communications. Like, at this point, you've already decided you're going to be a DJ. I, I, it, I'm one of those guys, one of those kids who knew from a very early age what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I, I realized that I was kind of anomalous, but I think I knew by the time I was 9 or 10 years old I wanted to be on the radio. Right, right. And so you just went straight to Q11? Well, I, when I was at Columbia, I did an internship at XRT for a semester in promotions, which radio promotions, for those who don't know, it's a lot of lifting, carrying hanging stuff, standing mm. around. It's its not very glamorous, especially at the internship level, and I hated it. And I, that's the value of an internship, is you learn whether or not it's a fit or if it's right for you. It wasn't. Right. But then after that inter internship went away, Q101 had just switched its format to the burgeoning alternative format in the mm -hmm. early 90s, and they were looking for help in the programming department. And I started, in, started an internship there, and I got hired out of my internship working 20 hours a week, making $5 an hour. And it, it sounds awful, uh, but at the time I thought, oh my God, I made it. Like, this is it. Yeah. I, I framed my first pay, pay stub. I was making whatever, I, I'm not good at math, 20 hours a week, $5 an hour. Uh, I was so ecstatic, like, oh my God, I cracked Chicago radio. Look at me, I'm unstoppable. But you did, you know? I mean, you weren't wrong, you did. There was a little bit of youthful naivete back then, but yeah, I managed to stick around. You were very youthful back then. It, 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 it was something. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Do you find this? I, I dug out a bunch of old dats, which is yeah. music format of the future. Uh, I'm trying to convert all my dat content before it just erodes and is useless forever. Mm -hmm. uh, my voice has deepened <laughs> with age. As you talk about youthfulness, like as I'm listening to myself, I sound squeaky. Uh huh. Like I, I don't know if you find that with your own voice, just singing wise. Oh yeah, yeah. I was listening to uh, all the kids are right the other day, and I was I was like, oh my god, who's this nine year old? This is <laughs> awful. I feel better. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it it it's a thing. Yes, your voice has definitely deepened. If I remember right, Q one hundred one, like it used to be adult contemporary. Right. Right. And then and then somewhere on 92, something happened and I and it kind of slowly happened. It started oh, with like stuff like losing my religion and, you know, slowly seeping into the alternative thing. Right. It's very you, you remember perfectly. It was so slow. They were playing Tom Petty songs next to losing my religion and you know, mm -hmm. who's go, who's going to ride your wild horses. They were they were terrified to go the Nirvana Pearl Jam route. And I remember this right. from my internship. I still have vivid memories as, I don't know if I was a programming assistant at that point or an intern, I remember the local from Atlantic Records, he was sitting in our call-out research room, 
And I remember him calling his boss saying, I just got grunge added to Q101. He mm-hmm. just got an ad. They agreed to play the acoustic version of Plush from Headbangers Ball by STP. And he's <laughs> like, I got grunge added to Q101. And I mean, that really was the first re- Seattle record the station played. It wasn't Alive. It wasn't Teen Spirit. It was Plush. Plush, huh? Wow. But it was the acoustic version of Plush. Right, exactly. Which was the, yes. gateway, the gateway drug to the full core version of Plush. I suppose. I suppose. And you were there for all that. I mean, that's kind of ground flourish, like, you know, right? I mean, oh, yeah. like, as far as like the thing at radio in Chicago, what Q101 sort of became during the 90s, and, you know, you're sort of watching them timidly walk into the pool. And you're you're kind of pushing right to get get a little Scott, bit more. Scott, you, you won't remember this. I don't even know if we've talked about this since. But I was interning on the, one of the first things I did in the building was I interned on the local music show, which was mm-hmm. called the local music showcase back then. Uh, you came up right when Hamfested came out and played right. in the studio, and I was like hanging out in the studio as you guys did. I think you did Cynic that day, and that was one of my earliest in in studio performance memories being at Q101. I actually do remember that. Uh, See, it seems like forever ago. Yeah. Yeah, but I remember it pretty clearly. And I just remember sort of like we were trying to figure out how to do these songs acoustic because we knew we couldn't, you know, bring in all of our amps and everything and do that. So we were just kind of like, how are we going to do this? And that's when we made Gabe play drums. I remember that, but I don't remember doing Cynic. I guess we did. Maybe I played it with brushes, but... uh... It probably was pretty early in the morning, too, if I remember correctly. Remember, it was almost kind of a stupid, funky version of Cynic. It was, it was kind of like, you know, it was almost like a, uh, I don't know. I, is, that, is that one that made it onto like a, a compilation somewhere? Yes. I think so, yeah. Yes. Was that the first thing you were doing was like the local show there? The first time I was on the air, the woman who hosted that show, her name was Carla Leonardo. She Right. Wow. She left for the East Coast, I believe. And so the position became open. And I'd never been on the radio before. And kind of what I was saying earlier, none of the disc jockeys were really into music. No one wanted that job. No one wanted to do that show. Like, they they viewed it as a burden. And I said to my boss at the time, I'm like, can I try that? Can I try out for it? He's like, I don't know how you sound on the radio. You You need to make me a tape. So that following week, I took a portable cassette player. I went to Lounge Axe, and I interviewed Wesley Willis. I went to... Fireside Bowl, and I interviewed Loud Lucy, mm-hmm. and I went to Elbow Room, and I interviewed a band called Nubile Things, and I, t- I took all the, these tapes back to the radio station, dubbed them onto reel-to-reel, spliced it up, did intros, spliced in the interview clips, and then little clips of the songs, and I submitted that as a demo tape. I don't know if it was good or not, but I think because there was nothing else competing for it, that helped me get the gig. Well, it sounded to me like nobody else at that radio station understood what you understood was that like something was happening in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. I mean, this was at this point, this was 95. So we were a couple years into that gold rush. I mean, we were right. Billboard had already said, you know, this is it. This is the cutting edges new capital. This is the home of Liz Fair and Urge Overkill and Smashing Pumpkins. It's, yeah, it's amazing to me that it was that late and people still aren't jumping on this thing. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Fuck. So you go from that, and then you're, I mean, you know, when do you start doing, like, you know, midday drives and stuff like that? The first full-time job I had, you know, it's weird. I, 
I did the local show throughout my time there. Um, I didn't get a full-time job until a few years into my 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 time at Q101. I I was at a lot of the station events. I did a lot of backstage interview stuff, but I didn't get a full-time job until probably 98. Hmm. Okay. It it took a while. And at that point, I was doing nights. I never did anything other than nights in my first time there. In that old big, the big building, the... Uh, Merchandise Mart. Merchandise Mart, right, right, right. Yeah, it was a real interesting uh, feeling in that studio on those nights that we'd come in. <laughs> right? I, I used to love going to the Mart. It, yeah. Because it was such a misfit. The Merchandise Mart is where all these high-end interior designers and decorators spend their days, I mean, dressed to the nines, and we'd have bands like the Jesus Lizard and Local H sneaking in during the day. It felt like, it felt punk rock. It felt like we were doing something we shouldn't, like we were getting away with something when we had bands like yours come in. Right, a little bit of pirate radio there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when you went to XRT, was that, were they trying to steal you away or, or what were the circumstances that you left there and went to XRT for that short stint? I went to XRT in December of 2000. I, I'd been talking with the program director there for a little while and it just, my contract was up and I, I kind of felt like I'd done all I could do at that time at Q101. Mm-hmm. And part of part of entertainment is knowing when to, to make your exit. And I, I felt like I... Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> go, go ahead. I felt like it was time for me to check out, and I, the opportunity came up at XRT to be their music director and night guy, and I took it, and as you mentioned, it was short-lived. It wasn't quite what I expected, but it was, uh, it was cool to be there. Well, why wasn't it what you expected? It just didn't work out, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I understand. It's the, you know, I've worked a few radio jobs over the years. That's the one that just didn't... It, it, it's the one like significant burnt bridge I think in my entire career, and I, uh, it's a, it, it's a bad memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But unlike a lot of other DJs, you haven't really bounced around from city to city like most. No, I have. Well, you know, I have a family. I mean, that, that's part of it. Like I, I just wasn't willing to to leave town. I, I mean, I spent many years in the 21st century not working in radio at all. I mean, I, I was off the air for probably 10 years. mm Hmm. And at that point, I thought, oh, I'm done with radio. My life's going to be back to normal. This is great. I'm going to settle down. I'm going to have a perfectly normal existence. And here I am. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you started writing books during that period, right? I did. I, I, I mean, I, I, this is where I find we have, I think we have a lot in common, Scott. I mean, I, I get restless. I want to do stuff. I want to try new stuff, whether it's, you know, phonation like we're talking about or podcasting or writing books. Like, I, I can't just sit idly for too long. At home, and some that led to me writing, and that led to me podcasting. I just I like creating stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about those books? I mean, you were you did a couple of oral histories. Well, one never got published. One was an oral history of Chicago, Chicago what music. Hap- what happened with the oral history of Chicago music? The publishing deal fell through. It just so it, you just got this manuscript sitting around. Yes, I've got tons of interviews. I mean, I've got. Interviews with people who sadly are no longer with us. I mean, everyone from you to you know, Fred Armisen to Wes Kidd, who doesn't do interviews anymore. You know. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I can't believe nobody is interested in this thing. 
I mean, I, I haven't looked at the manuscript for quite some time. I guarantee you it needs a lot of polishing and work, but the content's there. Yeah, of course. I mean, you could do some follow-up interviews. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, it, 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 could, it, it could happen. I, I, did, I did start writing that, I mean, very fresh out of the 90s. Sometimes you do need a little bit of time for that extra perspective. Exactly. I, I don't think this thing is done. I think uh, within five years, I predict that uh, it will be dusted off and it will be so much better than it would have been back then. It's like that, that book that came out about the, the New York scene, the uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, it's like so clear that they wanted it to be uh, Please Kill Me, but there just wasn't enough time that it passed, you know? That's it. That is it. <laughs> so what, what was the other one? There, there was a, you did an oral history of Q101. I did. So Q101 was sold to a, a new media company. This was in 2011. It was 10 years ago. Jesus. Hmm. Um, and I realized that this was a rare opportunity to actually document radio and, and tell the story in a way that actually has an ending. Like it, It's not like is something that's ongoing like this station ends on this specific date so i thought i should tell the story i was there for long enough i know enough of the people this would be cool to like actually tell a radio story that i would want to read because there weren't many books written about contemporary radio so i wrote the oral history of the radio station i went on kickstarter to uh crowdfund it and it worked out great and there are things i would change looking back on it but i i'm really proud that i was able to put it together because that was a shitload of work God, you've seen the death of more than a few stations. You know? I, I th- yeah, I, no different from any industry, right? I mean, you've seen plenty of bands break up yeah. since you first started playing. It's just, it's the circle of life, Scott. So then you're like, let's do podcasting. And you're like, at what point were you like, I'm into podcasting because, you know, my apologies I feel like such a Johnny come lately for even attempting to do a podcast and there's they're everywhere, especially this last year. When did you jump into the fray and like, this is, this is a thing. This is real. The first podcast I did was 2006. It was an interview podcast. It was a comic book interview podcast where I interviewed comic book creators like Alex Ross, uh, who's a local guy who's like this iconic um, artist, uh, Marv Wolfman, who created characters like the Teen Titans and um, other big name characters. Mm-hmm. So I did that for like six or seven months, and I did that under the Q101 umbrella. I, podcasting was very much a new thing back then. And I wanted to do it. I want one of the things I loved, always loved about radio was interviews, talking to people. Right. And I got to a point in radio where I couldn't do that as often. So this was a way for me to do interviews and do something different. Uh, so I did that for like six or seven months. Learned some stuff there. The next podcast I did, I was part of the Steve Dahl Podcast Network. Steve created um, a group of former broadcasters. It was a paywall podcast, which I didn't love, um, but it was cool affiliation. I learned from, learned a ton from Steve, and then I started doing Carquin Carne seven years ago. So I've been doing it for a while, and it, it's this is a way for me to do radio the way I like it. I mean, I can't right. play, I can't play music, obviously, but it's the stuff I like about radio. It's just it's it's raw and authentic. I mean, if you want, you could do a podcast just by picking up your phone and recording your voice. I like the fact that the barrier for entry is low; that anyone can do it. And unlike what you said, I think it's great that there are so many. I mean, we'll see a great weeding out. I mean, 
the good stuff will rise to the top the bad stuff may not uh, but i think it's great i i i the more people who are doing this i think it's, it's that cliche of a, a rising tide lifts all boats i think it's good for current podcasters for more people to do this can you draw an analogy to some entertainment form or industry in the past that this feels you know sort of like a gold rush like uh was there a time in some other formats where everyone was able to sort of maybe punk music well, like well that. i think i think youtube is is the best example isn't it mm. where mm-hmm. any, anyone could become a video producer mm-hmm. and, and have their stuff seen i mean you, you didn't need a big budget you just needed a cell phone and you could share it with people you know in malaysia <laughs> right well that's still happening now though but i'm thinking like 50 years ago was there anything or a century sure. ago the printing press. Printing press, yeah. <laughs> the printing press. Right. CB, well, Gabe CB with radio. zines. When, when people started doing zines. And yeah, the, zines. I guess, are, I, I that's a great example. Wow. DIY. <laughs> I, I'm, great. Worried, I'm worried that Gabe's not saying much. Is it me? No, we just, we, we're, we're cutting him out in advance. We just told him in advance. <laughs> Don't bother talking. We're going to cut your shit out no matter what you say. Hey, James, you um, interviewed at least once my friend and podcasting partner, Mike McPadden, and uh, mm. he was, a, at least for Teen Movie Hell, he did a car con carne. Uh, and it's great. It was uh, I loved hearing him uh, talk to other people and uh, promote his books and stuff. But what, what are some of your favorite interviews that you've done over the, over the past? That is a real radio type of interview. Yeah, that's how I do it. <laughs> question I, that's how i get close to my 300 dollars mic and i yes. do the proximity effect and i ask those kinds james, of questions james what are, what are your favorite interviews that you've ever done well first of all i love talking to mike mcbeardo mcpadden he is the person who gave the world permission to say star wars sucks mm-hmm. and i i am grateful to him for that and his his books that you mentioned uh heavy metal movies is one of my absolute favorite all-time coffee table books it's a book i can pick up at any time Turn to any page, and I love reading. He, he was truly a gifted writer. I, I love what he had to say. He was a great interview. You know, it, it's it's hard to say. It's interesting. I've interviewed bigger celebrities, and I've interviewed very not celebrity local bands. What I found from a from an audience perspective, uh, the bigger celebrities don't really help the podcast from a numbers perspective. Mm. It's it's the yeah. it's the it's the local it's the local it's the local talent. It's the local celebrities. The local persons of note who are interested in being on the show and who will share the content and talk about it. Um, Having celebrities on the show is great for imaging and great to get more guests. But the life, the lifeblood of what I do is really it's local bands. It's independent movie makers. It's, it's people on a much smaller level. That's really been what's fueled my activity and relative success as a podcaster. Yeah, almost the almost the more uh, specific and smaller you get, the more universal your show becomes. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think about it, the big celebrities are on every show, podcast, everywhere. There's nothing exactly. special about them being on your show. There's nothing that would incite someone to track down that interview or listen to it or, or watch the video. But you know, for a local band, if I'm talking to Max the Fox or Juna, that has a little more resonance. It feels more special. Well, I'm glad you're getting back in the car. That that's good. When was the last time you were at Hoggins? Oh, I want to go back. Uh, by the way, they now sell um, the Saint Elmo cocktail sauce at Mariano's. And I, I thought I thought of you and Herb. Ooh, and they, they do. They, they also have a horseradish sauce there. A Saint Elmo's horseradish sauce. 
So, so that cocktail sauce isn't horseradish? Well, there's horseradish in it, but there's like a dedicated, it's like their version of horsey sauce if you're an Arby's fan like I am. Oh my God. I mean, does that, does that one just take your head off too? Not like the cocktail sauce. The cocktail sauce is incendiary. That's tear out your nose hair intense. But I thought, (laughs) I I thought about you as I was at Mariano's, but no, it's great. It's great to be back in the car. It was weird. It was very strange to like to sit unmasked next to someone right you know what's really weird for me is when people are shaking my hand and i'm just like are we supposed to be doing this i I wanted to come out of the pandemic without having to shake hands ever again like if we could just do the the knucks or, or the elbows i'd be fine with that that's not happening no that's not happening people are shaking hands and uh and at first i was like we're not supposed to do this and then i thought oh guess we are uh-huh <laughs> I, I never enjoyed it there's always the clammy or the limp handshake or the the weird sweaty handshake if we could just you know use the pandemic as a reason to move past that that would be great what about the what about the bro hug is that is that acceptable now or, or how does that work out i think bro hugs are acceptable yeah but that's that's more intimate than the handshake i agree but it's less gross how uh, i don't know about that but the the clammy and the sweaty Although a, a, you, a bro hug at, at a concert venue is kind of gross because you get the the swampy back and all that. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that that made me stop going to Soundgarden shows. <laughs> I was like, Ugh, I'm never going to one of these things again. Mm-hmm. It's always the guys taking their shirts off that should not be taking their shirts off. It, it it doesn't even make sense. They're not that much cooler, like temperature wise, with the shirt off. Just leave it on. Right, right, <laughs> and they're definitely not cooler. Definitely cool not. exactly. So what else you got going? You got the phonation coming up, and what else is on the horizon Wait, for you? You've crowdfunded before. I did it once. As you know, th- there is anxiety built into this. So you're all anxious every day about this. I, I'm trying not to obsessively refresh the Kickstarter page. It, it's, it's, is that what you're doing right now? Because I see you doing something. <laughs> no, I, no I'm, I'm actually... Making sure my dog doesn't need to go out. Uh, no, I, I'm paying attention to it. it. The crowdfunding ends June 25th. As anyone who's ever crowdfunded will tell you, no, no amounts too small. Um, please contribute. Mm-hmm. But that that's been my big focus, and obviously Carquin Carney takes up a lot of my time as well. And it, in a weird, I don't know how this happened. I'm talking to, as we're talking about celebrities. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday the 8th. I'm talking to former WWE champion Drew McIntyre Thursday. For Cargo and Carney, which is a little weird. Gabe, do you know who that is? I'm not up on the new wrestling. I'm, I'm kind of an old school wrestling fan, but uh, are, you, are, you old see, are you old see, school? Gabe, like, this is why your stuff ends up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Hang on. We're going to bring Gabe back into it. You to do the assists. No, Gabe, I, you you got a yes and. Yeah. You, you got you to do the yes and like improv thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar, Scott. Just play along. No, I, I, I can't fake it. I can't fake it. I don't know these new wrestlers. I, I'm kind of out of the loop. Hey, Gabe, were you one of those guys back in like the 80s? Were you watching All-Star Wrestling, the AWA stuff? Like the Oh, yes. I, I, I was a big Baron Von Raschke fan there from you the go. AWA. <laughs> the Claw. The Baron Claw. Mad Dog the Sean. Yeah. Oh, yes. The Crusher. They came to Waukegan at the high school and, and performed there. And it was amazing. I remember and going I, to the UIC Pavilion in Chicago to see the AWA cards. I saw Jesse Ventura there. Hulk Jesse Hogan. Jesse the Body. Jesse the Body. The Road Warriors. Waukegan in the 80s was just an endless parade of wrestlers and bowlers, huh, Gabe? Is that what was going on? Oh, yes. On? Oh, yes. Bowling and wrestling is the... 
the thing for Waukegan, I guess. And punk shows at VFW halls. <laughs> I think but, Waukegan but, is an area that, with a good makeover and some some money, some financial influx, could be a lovely suburb. I mean, it's waterfront property. <laughs> I mean, that that downtown could be revitalized. That that to me is an it's opportunity. Got parks. Yeah, that, that seems like an opportunity waiting to happen. I don't know. They just had a shooting at Bowen Park the other day. I heard it's it's. Uh, they're trying to get a casino there after a while, and they might get one eventually. I, I don't know. That's always a, a good Band-Aid. <laughs> yeah, I saw Alice Cooper in Waukegan a couple times. Oh, yeah? Where? At the uh, Genesee. Genesee. Fuck. Genesee. I love the Genesee. Love the Genesee. And then across the street was another movie theater. It was called the Academy. It's a parking no? lot now. It's a yeah. parking lot now. So, you, turn, your you mic, know, you... turn, your, turn your mouse back up there, Gabe. Okay. But speaking of podcasts that serve well, hold food on, hold like on, hold 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 on, I'm oh, talking sorry. about the Genesee. Okay, go ahead. I'm I bored. You moved on to the speaking academy. of food, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Genesee, okay, yeah. where, uh, and then across the street would be the Academy. Yeah. And my dad would take me to see, you know, all these grindhouse showings because it started falling disrepair and we'd see like Bruce Lee double features and and you know I, I i think about it now it's like my dad must have been terrified you know or at least for me thinking that like you know something was going to go down it's so funny this generation you and i grew up at a time i think we all probably did where our parents took us to shit that i wouldn't dream of taking my young kids to as a father i mean i remember seeing the blues brothers in the theater as a small child and i, yeah. I remember showing it to my son thinking well i saw this when i was his age and the first five minutes are all profanity i'm like oh jesus what have i done completely it was a nightmare watching the blues brothers with my dad in a in a drive-in movie theater i was like well i can't believe this is happening my, my dad took me to see alien in the theater and that was yeah. one of the only times I think I walked out or I insisted on leaving the movie, the second the chest burst happened, I, I started bawling and we had to leave the movie theater. Like, it'd, it'd be like me taking my kids to see It Follows. Like, the, the, I, I can't imagine ever doing that. Well, how old were you when you saw Alien? Like six? I was like 10 years old. <laughs> but I mean, this is pre-internet. Like, you don't know what's going to happen in these movies when you go to see them as a 10-year-old in 1979. Like now, you mm -hmm. kind of know what you're preparing for with trailers and the internet. Back then, that that chest burst scene, especially for a ten year old, there was no precedent. There was no forewarning. That was just all holy shit to my young brain. Yeah, the only precedent would have been the you know, the the rape scene in Deliverance. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw Alien. Uh, I must have been thirteen, twelve or thirteen at the end of uh, a month at in summer camp up in Maine. But we did have forewarning because somebody had like the graphic novel, like there'd been like a comic book version of it. So we would pour really? over that every night before. Yeah. Uh, and, and then so we did know sort of what was coming, but it was still fantastic. Oh, remember the, those like, like they were paperbacks? Yes. But they were like, they were like, like laid out like a, uh, mm -hmm. a, a comic book, but it was stills from the yes. movies. Yeah. They had one for Cheech and Chong's next movie. And then <laughs> yeah. my favorite one was the one for Love at First Bite. Yes, I oh, remember yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. uh, hold on. My my dad took me. I, I got to get this in. My dad took me to a double double theater. Double, what do you Ooh, call he's it? Double on feature. fire now. Yes. The drive-in in Waukegan on 41. Mm -hmm. It was Empire Strikes Back 
and Trilogy of Terror. Yes. And uh, I still Trilogy hate. I still hate. I still hate horror movies for some reason. But uh, <laughs> you remember that, Scott? Do you remember that movie? I know you do. Of. It's a TV movie. They showed that in a drive-in. It was at a drive-in. I call bullshit. Okay, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, I remember that movie. Wow. Oh my god, it was a pretty fast grab. <laughs> wow. Just happened to be. It just it mm-hmm. just happens. Did it get water on it earlier? No, of course not. The one thing that's not important. So Ben, uh, yeah, I had a question. What for about Gabe. food? Yeah, because you know, because James has a food-related podcast, and I thought I saw Gabe getting delivered some excellent food. segue. Thank you, uh-huh. Gabe. Yes. What do you got there? Well, Whoa, it's still hot and everything. It, it's still it's warm, and I don't want five wanna, minutes and still steaming. It's, it's, yeah. My wife made me some some dinner because we're on the East Coast and where I live, and this is right at my dinner time. Mm-hmm. So, in, is it macaroni in, and cheese? What do you say? That's because if he like, does yeah. the con carne thing, I, I guess I can eat while we're doing this, right? That seems fair. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, is that macaroni and cheese? About it. Yeah, well, tell us what it is. Give with us fresh, the details. With fresh tomatoes in there. You you're eating tomatoes? Who doesn't? It's macaroni and cheese with tomatoes. But you don't eat vegetables. Tomatoes are a vegetable and my, one of my favorite. I know. That's my point. <laughs> it's not tomatoes green. Tomatoes are a vegetable. <laughs> it's and not you're... green. All right. I, I feel like we've completely lost the plot, lost yeah, the thread here. that turned out poorly. That's all right. I'll go ahead and keep eating. So, <laughs> God damn, we were talking about Waukegan, and I, I was going to wrap this up, and, oh, yeah. and, and now it's just completely screwed up. I'm sorry, James. See, I, this is part of the podcast charm. So were you like a big WKRP in Cincinnati fan? I remember watching it as a kid. Um, not not, not really. I've never been no. a huge... Dating back to when I was a kid, I was never big on TV. Love movies. TV, not as much. The, the episodic thing. The, the having to pay attention week after week. I like getting my two hours in and, and being done with something. Oh, you don't like the episodic thing? No. Did you grow up listening to talk radio? Do you have favorite like? No, I. In fact, I hated talk radio. I, I really did. I, I a lot of blowhards, a lot of windbaggery, just tap dancing to get from one commercial break to the next. I, <laughs> I, 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 a lot of it just turned me off. I mean, I, I'm a music fan, I mean, first and foremost. I, granted, I do this podcast that's all talk, but I mean, I, I did what I did career wise because I, I like music. Is radio a dying medium? Is the question. I don't think so. I mean, I hear that a lot. I, I, I would answer. I think radio is a medium that still has tons of potential. Maybe a lot of it is untapped. I, I think when radio works and it's good, it is something that really dials into its community. I mean, that, that's radio's strength is being local, being in touch with what's happening around around them and the audience. I mean, anyone can play Two Minutes to Midnight. Anyone can play. That's all by Genesis. It's about understanding who who you're sharing the same space with and radio can do that radio has done that radio will do that does it always do it does it always do it well no but i I think that's radio's opportunity so i I wouldn't say it's dying but i think the opportunities are there and they should be taken here here does it seem like big cities are, are like not the best place for good radio like i grew up in new york and thought the same thing like why why when i go anywhere else does the radio sound so much better than it does right here in new york city like even even the only station that we would listen to was out on long island wlir or dre whatever the fuck i, I would say themselves. in the present day the big markets probably sound better 
because a lot of those smaller markets can't afford to pay talent anymore, and a lot of the talent you're hearing is not local and is voice tracking from another market. So I think your best shot of hearing true local community reflecting radio is going to be in the major markets. Hmm. Like we missed out on the on the days of the seventies where you know they would play right. album oriented rock and and play like side two of yes while they <laughs> exactly. You know. I mean, when radio really works, it's you know just pulling an example out of out of thin air. If you hear a disc jockey or a radio host talking about getting stuck on Elston Avenue over by Division Street on the way to work, it's immediately <laughs> immediately relatable. Like I understand exactly. Like. I, I, I go the same route that person does. Like I identify with that. That's radio strength is being able to reflect the community. Right. Right. And it's information you can use. Right. Like, like the information behind you of your dog telling you, take me outside now before I destroy everything oh in this room. Uh, she, she's being incorrigible tonight and she's not normally she, like this. She's like, how long does it take you to talk to people? Usually you're done. Usually it's 20 minutes. Wait, what is this? Yeah. yeah. Is it Gabe? Is he the one holding you back? No. The real yeah. question. The real question is. <laughs> she is adorable. What, what's the What's the sweet spot for the length of a podcast? Because we've been talking about this since the beginning. Hang on. <laughs> oh, he's got to look it up. <laughs> or he's taking the dog out. I would argue, argue or answer, Gabe, a, a podcast should be as long as it is interesting. I, I, I hear a lot of podcasters say, well, we should do an hour because that's how long a person's commute is. Or podcast should be no longer than 30 minutes. I think it's all bullshit. If, if it's interesting, that's how long it should be. And if you're feeling as a host or a group of hosts that you're at a point of diminishing returns, call it. It doesn't ha- it, one, one week can be 25 minutes. The next week can be 75. You know in your head when you've, when you've lost the script. Right. Tonight's going to be three hours. We just know that. Well, it's like Joe Rogan. Jesus Christ. He does like three hour shows. No one's listening for three. You're not interesting for three hours. That's too much. That's too much. Gabe's listening. Is Gabe listens with bated breath. I listen breath. to Joe Rogan. I listen to him. He, he, he has good interviews. I don't know about his views, but I like his interviews. Uh, he's, he's fallen way too in love with himself. He's, he's been tough to listen to over the past year. Most of my stuff is... Like recorded from a while back, I, I, like I don't know, Dave Chappelle, you, Neil Grass Tyson, whatever his name you're is. You're listening to recorded. I don't listen to him live. You're listening to old Joe Rogan episodes. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know. I'm. I'm you're just, listening to classic Joe Rogan episodes. <laughs> yes, I can't. I, I don't know. I'm not up on the right. stuff. Here's how I wanted to wrap this up, James. <laughs> is uh, uh, you you said that. That we can be on Phonation, right? Yes, Lifers, please. I would love it. The Lifers podcast is going to be on Phonation. But what uh, would make a good uh, excerpt for us to give you mm. for the Phonation record? I, I think you guys talking. I, I, you know, I loved hearing Juliana. I loved hearing Josh. I, I love the guests. I love hearing your dad, the, the, the fisherman. Uh, but mm. I, I think it's the, it's the conversations. I think the real, authentic who you are, whether you're riffing on a movie or ripping on a riffing on a song i think that's the stuff that makes the podcast that's what that's why people will keep coming back every week and i think that's what would sound great on phonation all right so so the interview with troy then okay 
exactly. <laughs> whatever you know, it's your show. Whatever, whatever you think <laughs> makes the most sense, that's fine. I think we're just going to get five minutes of Scott saying, "We're going to cut this part out." Yeah, we're going to cut this part out. Compilation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this part's all going to get cut out anyway. All right, James has got to go. We're <laughs> we're sorry, James. We're sorry for keeping you for so long. It's only because we like talking. I you. love talking to you guys. I, I was I told you I, I tweeted about this. I, I couldn't wait to do this. We figure the longer we keep you here, the more chance we have of like soaking in some of those professional podcasting. Right, that's what it is. Just, I, Gabe, you're writing this down. I, we're, we're trying. I said it earlier. Get... I, I listen because not because I know you guys, but I really do enjoy it. I mean this. I went for a long walk this weekend, and I burned through a couple episodes. And it, it was, <laughs> it, it was, but it was great. I mean, it, you you sound very, you're obviously friends. You sound like our friends when we listen to you. I mean, it it really does. You figured it out very early, which, as you know, it takes some podcasts a very long time to hit any kind of rhythm. Well, thank you, but I mean, it it felt it felt like it took forever for us to get a rhythm. Um, Sometimes it still feels that way. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. All right. Hmm. You know, it, 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 it's probably hard for you to remember because you've been doing it so long. You're, you're, you're a broadcasting lifer. But uh, this is not easy, and people think that it is easy. Well, I think you see a lot of podcasts just pop up. And you mentioned it earlier. Like last year during the pandemic, we saw a lot of new podcasts because there is that thing where people think, oh, I can do this. But then right. they get... Four or five months into it and realize, wait a minute, I only had 30 people listen to that episode? Wait a minute, I'm not making money to do this? What am I doing? And right. they realize, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, it took me a few years to make any kind of money doing this. Hold on a second. There's money to be made here? That's right. Give it a couple years. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> but going back to the, the length question, Gabe. Sure. Podcast length. It's always the question, isn't it? With Gabe. I'm more going of back, girth. Girth, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say the less time spent on editing, the better. You guys oh, know really? how. To, God, you just you, said that. <laughs> you guys know. You guys know how to steer a conversation. You guys know how to end a conversation. Well, maybe you don't. You guys know how to steer a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I found for the, the the return you get on listening, if you're going into a podcast and extracting every um, dead air space, it, it's not it's not worth the effort. I, I think especially in the modern day, people are very forgiving of raw conversation, mistakes, flubs, awkwardness. I think that's fine. I, I just, I found I had to be more speedy with the way I did things over the past year. Cause I was doing them every night. I just, I stopped worrying about it hmm. and it worked. I, that's the only piece of advice I would say pod podcast episodes should be as long as you think they're interesting and don't obsess about editing. The, the listeners just don't give that much of a shit. Yeah. Unless it's blatantly obvious that you have to cut something out, I wouldn't sweat it. Right. Well, that's good advice. That's really good advice. You have no idea how good that advice is. <laughs> but uh, we're going to cut this whole thing. So, you know. <laughs> this is like when I go out to dinner with my extended family. We say goodbye like five times. It takes mm -hmm. like 30 minutes for for anything to actually end. It's like, bye, okay, see you later. Then you walk out to the cars together. Okay, everybody, see you later. I kind of feel like we're in that mode right now. Right, right. But it, sometimes it, it feels like it takes so long for anything to begin. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you get into a thing and then, you know, then it slowly dies like a shark. <laughs> so, you know, that's where the editing can help. Sure, sure. Yeah. 
I don't think we, I really don't think that we, I mean, I know we do, we do some editing, but I don't think it sounds like we do. And we don't really spend that much time. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'll, 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 I'll clean things up a little. I'll send it to Scott. He spends a day or two with it, sends me back one set of notes. I do those and that's it. I think we're, I think that's a pretty good process. It's not bad. Yeah. I think we're ending with that thing where you said we're going to cut all this anyway, Scott. That's that's a good, that's a good out. That's a good out. Uh, This was super fun. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks for being on. I, and we'll we'll put up that link uh, for for your uh, uh, see it's Kickstarter done for our phonation. We'll Apparently, we're in it. So right, we got a right. vested interest in this thing now. Right, 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 right. right and thank right. you for the plug. Truly, oh, yes. dude, come on. And I lo- you know I know you said you're late to this whole thing. I think this makes so much sense for you to do this. I I, I know it's a lot of extra whatever. But I, right. I mean, Metallica. I heard is starting a podcast soon. You know, the <laughs> the, the 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 podcast that I I think of uh, is is what was the one with Jason Bateman and Oh yeah yeah I, I know which one you're talking about right. So I just see that happening, and suddenly everyone's listening to it. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and everything, and then I just picture somebody like Mark Maron just destroying his fucking garage listening to this thing going those motherfuckers you know uh-huh. so sometimes I just feel bad for Mark Marin. and mind you I don't feel bad for him for too long because then I'll listen to one of his very self-involved episodes and but but sometimes I'm just kind of like wow that guy's gotta be angry at some of this stuff mm-hmm. yeah although to be fair I would watch Jason Bateman in pretty much anything My, oh, he's the best he's the best I mean, I, I'll take back what I said about TV because I'll watch Ozark just for him. Oh, what about It's Your Move? I oh, my it. God. <laughs> that was the best show. That That's from the, maker, from the makers of Married with Children. Not, no, no joke. <laughs> Fucking Gabe was going down to, like, have a bite. And I said, It's Your Move. And I watched his square. And he went like, oh, oh my God. Did someone say It's I had, Your Hold move? on a second. Oh, I had okay. It's Your Move. And as soon as you said Jason Bateman, I was thinking It's Your Move. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> See, See what wow. I'm talking about? Yeah. I was in a hardcore punk cover band in the 90s. We, you know, pre, right before the time Local H was going during the thing. And, and we made shirts. The band was called Good and Plenty. And on the back of the shirt, it says, it's your move. No lie. I, I'm at a stage now where my son is 19, and he's buying all these records I had when I was a kid. He just bought Suicidal Tendencies and... <laughs> And he just got the first Danzig record. All right. Yeah. Sounds like my kind of kid. It's the and they're forty, they're 40 <laughs> dollars a that pop, key. right? Yeah, well, thirty dollars a pop. Yeah, okay, for sure. Yeah. And his form of rebellion is listening to shit that is like so far down the metal road. Uh, he just on Bandcamp ordered uh, what the fuck? It, Rotting Christ, the latest. They're a Greek metal band. That, that's how he's rebelling. That's teenage rebellion in my home. <laughs> Rotting Christ. Greek metal, baby. Get me the t-shirt. <laughs> the, the album cover is gorgeous. It looks like something yeah, out of like Renaissance Italy. It's 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 stunning. Gabe, your, your t-shirt didn't say fuck you on the back of them? <laughs> Boy, did Gabe turn off his totally mic off. again? I didn't. Stop it. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. Something's wrong with this freaking mouse. I'm turning it off. <laughs> yes, that's, the, that's what we've been asking you to do. Every week. Go ahead. <laughs> what were we talking about? The fuck you on the back of the shirts? 
Who did that? Whose idea was that? <clears throat> Let's not get into it. What What was the? Okay, there's Rotting Christ. What was? There was another band, and and kids were wearing the shirt, and it was fucking horrifying, and it had something to do with Christ, right? Or, or were we just talking about Rotting Christ? Because I I think I remember you talk, you James talking about. I, I I vaguely remember this. I remember seeing T-shirts at Riot Fest. That were something along those lines, and maybe we talked about that. I know what it was. What was it? It was T-shirts that said "Jesus is a cunt." That's it. That's it. Yes, that's what it was. Did we, did we talk I, about this? We did, and I can't remember what the band was, but on the back of the shirt it said "Jesus is a cunt" <laughs> and just horrified looks. And I was like, "All right, kid, pretty good, pretty good." Jesus is yeah. Rotting Christ is nothing. Yeah, <laughs> Rotting Christ is polite. Uh-huh. Jesus is a cunt. <laughs> Ben, now we found our out. You are a good person. You are a great man. You are a nice guy. I like you like in a mix. You are on my side at last. You are a radio DJ. You work hard on the job at Q101. You are a working man. James Van Osdell. James Van Osdell. James Van Osdell. James Van Osdell. Rock over London, rock on Chicago, Sony, it's the Sony. 